Welcome to That Creative Life. Hi, my name is Sarah Dietschy and I am your host. I talk with artists, YouTubers, CEOs, and everyone in between. I hope this podcast helps you live your best creative life. Enjoy. What's up, guys? Welcome to another episode of That Creative Life. We have amazing guests today, Greg and Mitch from ASAP Science. They have 9.3 million subscribers on YouTube with 1.3 billion views. Congrats. That's amazing. They have a podcast side note, um, which goes into really controversial subjects, but explains some some science behind it. And it's been really fun to binge y'all's content over the past few days. Uh, we were talking about earlier how it's insane that you have 9.3 million subscribers, and I just discovered all of your amazing videos. Um, so welcome to that creative life, guys. Thank you. For having wow, us. just discovered. Took you a while. <laughs> I know. I know. Gosh. No, it truly is bizarre how many huge channels there are nowadays where it's just like, how did they exist? And I've worked in this on this platform for eight years and had no exactly. idea. And it, it's it's cool to see worlds crossing over because you guys just did a video, The Truth About 5G, featuring MKBHD. Um, and Mark has... You know, we we love him. He's been on the podcast and he's such a cool um, guy in the tech sphere. So it's been really cool to see the crossover. And um, just to give an idea about y'all's videos, I'm going to read a few titles just to give people an idea. If you've never if you've never heard of ASAP Science, um, I loved the video. We stayed awake for 36 hours and it changed our faces because <laughs> I, I need a better sleep schedule. So that was fun to watch. Like, oh, I recognize that face. Um, that's when... <laughs> Uh, so the truth about 5G featuring MKBHD, are young people safe from coronavirus? The only three study hacks everyone should know how to fall asleep in two minutes. So, you know, these topics are really cool because you can learn from them and you explain a lot of the, the science behind things. So welcome. Can you can you guys fill in any blanks that I kind of miss? You're based in Toronto. How long have you been doing YouTube? Um, sure. Hello. 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 Yes. Thank you for having us in the first place. Um, I mean, we've been making YouTube videos now. I think we just had our eight-year anniversary. Isn't that sad? Really? That we also don't know. Oh, my God. Happy anniversary, Matt. <laughs> it's long enough that we're like, Ugh. the 10-year one will be the important one. Um, but ultimately, the channel was just created with this idea of like, hey, let's make science accessible. Let's make it fun. When we were in university, we had a lot of friends that didn't take science. Like, we had a lot of people in art. We're gay, so we had lots of artsy friends. friends. Not to be a stereotype, (laughs) but it's just a cultural phenomenon. (laughs) Um, And so we were constantly being like, hey, do you wonder why you're hungover? Or like, what, what's actually happening to your body when you're like getting drunk or getting high? Like trying to find the funny ways to connect to people in university. And that kind of led to this idea after school being like, hey, we really enjoy chatting to people who don't necessarily think they like science. Of course, we're so always happy to have like science nerds and geeks who love to learn more. But for us, the mission at the beginning was always like, how do we connect to people to show them that science is in your everyday life? So how do we talk about coffee or sleep or any of the topics that an average person can relate to? And then kind of shove in the science in there (laughs) but it definitely also started because we were scared about not ever learning science again after university like it was definitely like weird science projects because i remember it was like you leave school and you're like wait like uh, no one's telling me to read like (laughs) i'm gonna get dumb like i remember just thinking like all those like really intense like beautiful hard work that has been put into these like science journals that you would read for four years. Now I'm never going to read one again. Like, so it was a little bit of like a, you know, we didn't ever expect it to become what it's become. It was also like a, a weird sort of like, Oh my God, I need to make sure I, I have my finger on the pulse of science or else I'm going to fall behind. And so 
it's cool that we get to still do it and like have a job. That is it. <laughs> we have to be more grateful about that. I think sometimes it's really challenging. <laughs> were, were y'all always into science, middle school, high school? Was that, okay, I want to study science. I want to teach. I want to do this. Or was it more of a, you know, like windy? Yeah. I, mine was the more cliche. Like, yeah, like ever since grade 11 science, I knew I wanted to be a science teacher. Like that was my dream because I was really like, I remember just having this moment where it was like, you're going from class to class, but it was only in science class where people would be like, okay, so this is like how the world works. Like literally <laughs> like, this is how your body works. This is how your arm works. This is how your fart works. This is how like all these things that you're like, actually like, you know, you spend your whole life in this vessel. That's your like, body. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Whereas like, I go to English and be like, Answers. that's like, I, yeah, like exactly. I love art. I like my other degrees in visual art. I care about art and culture a lot, but it's 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 more of a discussion. It's like less of a like this is actually sort of like how things work. This is what photosynthesis is. And that really stuck with me. And and my teacher I really loved. And I knew I wanted to be a science teacher from then on out. And that's what my goal was. So I like got a degree in biological science and then I minored in visual art to be either a science or art teacher. And then and, Mitch's... And you landed in a great spot. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah, you two no, teaching, I know. yeah, visual arts teaching yeah. science. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's kind of like a perfect combo. Yeah, mine yeah. was not so different, but I was definitely more... I was always on the fence. I was like, do I want to be in musical theater? Like, I love music. I grew up playing piano and, like, going to summer summer musical theater camp. Andy's and gay. Like and I I'm like, how do my parents not know I was gay, first of all? It's like, I only had girlfriends there's, and I love musical theater. There's straight guys in musical theater. There are. That and they get true. all the jobs they get all the, as the they straight get all guy the in the, the play or whatever. Um, but I also love science. And it's similar. It was probably in, in high school that I had a couple really great science teachers. And it was just like, this is so cool. And also there's that pressure from the one side being like, you know, you should be a doctor or a vet. And so you get that kind of like parental, like musical theater is fun, but your job should be in science. So a oh, little bit of that. Totally relatable. I mean, I remember going back, you know, for Christmas and Easter being like, yep, still doing that electrical engineering degree. Give me the pats on the back. Yeah. And I did that for three and a half years. And then, you know, when the news came, I'm dropping out to be a YouTuber. There was some like, hurt feelings. <laughs> yeah, wow. Wait, so you it? actually dropped out to be a YouTuber? So rock star. It's, it's it's sexy to say that now because it worked out. Right. But yeah, at the time it was during like at the time scary. I had three thousand subscribers. Okay. So it was like and, a, you were taking a chance. But it's a full time thing. You have to come in. Yeah. Oh, exactly. And, you know, I had those like random video production jobs where I was doing like corporate videos for people and like weddings. So it was always in the back of my head that YouTube can be a job. But I, I was like, if it's going to take me five years, it'll take me five years. I just that's, can't do electrical engineering anymore. This is yeah, tearing apart my soul. So funny like that. Like, I know exactly what you mean. Like, there's this large family gathering on my mom's side we go to on the holidays. And there's like the two people I know who are like the ones who are in engineering and everyone's like, oh, look at them. They're so smart. And then I talk to them. I'm like, they're building mines. They're literally like <laughs> mining the earth for like horrible like metals. Like, why are we all so like, I'm like, does anyone even know what they're doing? They just have a, an electrical engine or like a like engineering degree and we all pat them on the back. Yeah. It's the fact that I feel like everyone knows like, oh, they have this safe six figure job. Exactly. It's you like, know, even if I have subscribers and oh, hey, I just did this thing with XYZ company. Everyone's like, oh, that's cute. That's cool. Yeah, and wow. it's, always, it's like, and what happens when it goes away tomorrow? You know, <laughs> you're like, no. exactly. I'm like, it's guys, such a, yeah, all jobs aren't aren't the safest exactly, thing, you know? Truly. Yeah. 
That's true. I'm sure electrical engineers... Actually, no, I, I have known nothing about it, but I'm like, they seem very essential. They seem very essential. <laughs> very essential. <laughs> um, but I will say, you know, with everything happening in the world and, and quarantine, um, even though it's been hard to mentally get there for YouTube videos, I think over the most part, our jobs have been safe um, in regards to like a global pandemic. But yeah. that is something I, I wanted to chat with you guys. Yeah, let's chat about How is your soul how are you Our doing soul. mentally because I mean, not lately <laughs> this is the first time i know because you know i've always been like i don't have anxiety that's a thing that other people have and like push through and do it but the past few months wow that's a funny thing that i feel like we've talked about a bit where it's like i do have anxiety normally and so there's a little bit of me that's like oh you this is what it feels like all the time. Welcome. <laughs> you yeah, exactly. Like, well, like not oh that I'm God, not yeah. that I'm having a easier time with everything that's going on, but part of me is like, oh, I don't feel that weird because I'm a bit of an introvert, so I don't mind being at home. And then like, I'm just like at this point pretty used to having anxiety. But Greg's like such an extrovert, loves being out, and I feel like does not experience that much anxiety. Is that fair? So, to say? Greg, how yeah, are you doing? Yeah, no, not good. Like, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how to like. It's obviously so convoluted, and it's such a fascinating like tragic in many ways time. But I do feel like it's such a good thing to talk about right now because I feel like even from a scientific perspective, like nothing like this has ever happened. This type of quarantine's never happened in human history. So it's like very fascinating to me. Like I'm, I love talking like all I want to, maybe that's part of it. All I want to do is talk about it like all the time. And so maybe that's like contributing to the anxiety, but definitely like from like, uh, perspective of our jobs and being a creative on YouTube. Like I feel so grateful. Like I, our life didn't change that much because we work from home anyways. We have the ability to still sort of like, in, in many ways we have more hours in the day to focus on, well, especially Less for me. Less meetings. I, yeah, exactly. And I do like, yeah. like I do stand up comedy. I like to do all these things in Toronto and like now those things are all canceled. So I have a lot more time to focus on like, I'm like, Oh, okay. I guess we'll like do TikTok or whatever, <laughs> which like in our like world of the career is helpful, but you're right about the whole soul thing. Like we haven't made a YouTube video in a long time. Like I I've, I'm struggling with, you know, what to even talk about. Like, it's just, it's, it's weird. It's, it's really weird. And I do think that we are pretty like aware of what's going on, especially like even what's going on now with like, you know, all of culture waking up to the fact that like white supremacy is real. Like the fact that we are all like talking about this is so important to me. And so, um, it's hard even just like going on YouTube when it's like, everyone just keeps releasing videos. It's like, I personally think that that's like tone deaf, but then it's like, but everyone's doing it. Like there's so many things happening that it is harder to just sit down and yeah, be like, okay, I'm going to talk about like farts or whatever. Cause it's like on, on one end when I go to Twitter and Instagram and I'm seeing everything and obviously it's been super helpful and a, a really good learning experience. But then when I go to YouTube, it's almost like, Oh, okay. Wait, I can sit for 30 minutes and just watch stuff that has nothing to do with right. anything. It's a bit else. of an escape. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's an, a, a bit of an escape. And even I haven't posted a video in 10 days because, you know, like what you're talking about, Greg, it's been weird. I'm like, I don't know. How can I be helpful? You know, you do all the things, you donate, you rally your audience, you educate. But at the end of the day, when YouTube is your job and you have this niche, oh, what is, how, what is my voice? You know, with yeah. This? So what is your upload schedule usually? Just once How a week. Often? Okay. Yeah. Um, it used to be 
three times a week and then twice a week and then oh, one, wow. once a week. Yeah, yeah. I don't, <laughs> how is it when you like become a YouTuber, things just get more intimidating to make? I don't yeah, totally. That. It's like yeah, it's, for sure. It's a mix of like preciousness, like feeling like every single thing you make has to be the best thing you've made, on top of just the pressure of having a bigger audience. I think like it is something I'm sure lots of YouTubers experience, but and I think it really truly leads to burnout. Is that idea like you put so much pressure on yourself for every single thing we do? And I agree. The bigger we've become, the harder it's been to just like have fun doing it. Not to say we don't have fun doing it, but there was that those beginning stages when you're like the stakes are low, not that many people are watching so i can just experiment and have fun mm -hmm. and then you slowly like get in a little bit of a box that it can be yeah. tough to break out well of in a recent video you guys mentioned that you took a three-month break how was that and and why why did you take that um i mean it was amazing <laughs> to yeah. be honest i didn't like I, it's so funny we're very different <laughs> i had an existential crisis yeah like every day he'd be like what's the meaning of life like i don't know what's going on which, like, which is good it. it's important to like have those moments in your life to kind of be like so like we got 82 years okay am i spiritual like what's the meaning of all this that's not a bad thing to go through but i definitely was like like meditating and like 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 at 9 a.m like in a bathtub like trying to figure out like well it seems but, like it was worth it you had well, I don't know. You you loved it. Yeah, I think it was it was a, it was a much needed time for sure. I think we we had been doing it at that time for like seven and a half years. This wasn't too long ago. Maybe maybe it was seven year mark. And it was just like, hey, you kind of hit the point where you want to do new things and you're not sure and you're feeling a bit trapped by your job. I think people feel this in regular jobs as well. At a certain point, you just are like, hey, how do I push this to a new level where it will actually. Um, make me excited about it or have I kind of hit that level where I need to now go and explore other things or is it just space that I need from this so it's also like space really worth saying to your audience about like the another reason was that was about how we had built a team so we had built a team at that time to I, I actually had someone step in and draw the videos so I didn't have to draw them we had someone step in and edit the videos so Mitch didn't have to edit them we had someone step in and help us write the videos so we didn't have to write them and then all of a sudden I think there was a, probably a year and a half where what we were feeling was that all the creative um stuff that we actually loved, but we had just been doing for six and a half year and also a lot of pressure to grow, to build, to produce more. Like a lot of people come in and go, okay, hire an editor. Like these are like those things you read those like, like business books that are like, if you were opening a bakery, you gotta like, <laughs> yeah, like I actually hate that book, whatever it is. Like it was like the small business book. Uh, the e the e-myth. E e you've, e you've never read it. I read the e-myth. No, That's part. Yes. Yep. You, okay. Now we're fighting. Um, <laughs> I read okay. it. I okay, read that, the e-myth. That, that book was a crazy one. unlock for me because it was one of those things where I had to realize, okay, what do I actually love? What can I delegate? And what is the unique thing that is going to be this difficult thing to delegate because for me it's editing like I mm -hmm. love editing that's always been my thing I've done it for over 10 years but that's the thing that takes the most time and so the, the e-myth actually made me super depressed because <laughs> I kept hitting this wall of like oh I can't delegate editing because it's my thing I'm precious about it and I'm like I'm a technician oh my god am I not the <laughs> entrepreneur <laughs> Yeah. literally that literally that like that so but that can teach you something i think it, i would but say it did really make me feel like the right thing we were doing was hiring editors hiring right. people it, to it draw is one, it is one focused view of businesses like, that are scalable exactly. which i think creativity is not, not not a scalable business model which is okay it's not that it can't grow but it's not like a mcdonald's where you can just go okay now you go repeat this in 10 different countries and but you're right the technician that's the thing it's like you may, like it makes you feel like you're supposed to be an entrepreneur and then 
but it's like, I'm sure a lot of people who get into YouTube are technicians because that's like what it is. It's like creative. It's about doing yeah. the thing. I'm so glad we're talking about this because in a lot of previous podcasts, I have brought this up because this has been my biggest challenge in 2019 was I want to do other things. So how do I delegate? I started with my podcast. That's easy because the most creative thing is the, the conversation, right? Mm-hmm. Easy. But editing and producing and filming, that's your voice, right? People follow you because of that. But all of these discussions I've had with people is people have done it and, or sorry, are still struggling with it. And they say, oh, I still edit. I still do X, Y, Z. So you guys are unique in that you figured it out. So I would like to just take a pause and like, what was that first hire? How did you delegate something that is pretty precious, like drawing? Oh, does it look the same as if I was going to draw it? What was that first step? How did you delegate? Did you have a like a Google Doc? This is the exact way how we do this. We also have to explain. That. <laughs> oh yeah, so I never get... finished the story, which was that also that three month break was about getting rid of our employees. full team and going back to it just being us doing everything. But we can but, definitely talk. But about we will that. talk it about was, that. It was yeah. a huge learning experience. Well, let's talk about was, that journey. Yeah. Yes, yes, it was. <laughs> so. Yes, I mean, um, definitely the sort of ethos of everything we've done has been like we didn't actually plan this. We didn't know what we were doing and it just kind of happened so it's so funny because it was like six years in that we were like should we make docs that explain how to do these jobs clearly so in case someone else comes in or we need someone else to take over um it was very much just hey we need some help on this uh can we reach out to someone a lot of it started at first with okay the first thing we needed was someone to help with social media back in the day we wanted to be posting regularly on facebook and instagram and twitter just like science memes and stories and things but then it was like we would love to have someone help like uh right but we didn't hire people full-time it would just be contract work at first until we were like okay no we're ready to commit to these the person that we thought was the best and so slowly over time we just kind of like went along as we went i don't there wasn't really a lot of foresight into like building a business it was just hey we want to do a couple more things and so we can't at this capacity grow or make more videos um and there are lots of jobs that people can help us with. There's people with different perspectives and different um, special specialties in science that we could lean into. So I think it was a good step, and it, it, it definitely was, worked it was really for well like for a three long years. time. So I don't necessarily want people to hear our story and think that this is the path you need to go on. I just think eventually we hit a point where, like Greg said, we were no longer doing much of the creative work, and we became just managers and bosses. And that's where we realized, like. I just don't want to have to manage people. I'm not a very good boss. I am definitely someone who sometimes just needs to be a recluse and just like obsess over something instead of having to delegate. And it was like, we weren't like, we also really wanted to start focusing on talking about climate change. We wanted to change, like kind of make maybe a bit, a big pivot in the way we make our videos. That's really hard when you've hired people who have like spent three years learning how to do the thing that, you had right. done like it just it's harder to well, it's pivot hard to a whole experiment team. right with, yes exactly. when there's five other people yeah. yeah and i do think that there is a world you're right like we aren't we are both not really built to be managers and bosses so there's obviously people out there who like know that's their skills maybe they went to school for business or something that's another thing we're always like we have no business background at all literally like my business background is i read the e-myth and and my (laughs) my partner doesn't even think i read it (laughs) so it's like i think that there is like a world where like that's just a blind spot for us i know that like i think we did a really good job with our team for the time that we had them but it was just when it came to actually like pivoting us all we just like couldn't do it so we took that break 
And now it's just back to the two of us. And we honestly have been able to change, like do the pivot we've wanted to do. And I think another thing that actually, I don't even know this for sure, but like as we sort of evolve, which takes time, I'm sure there will be maybe another moment where we go, okay, this is our new way of doing things. Now we actually could maybe use our editor again. Now we actually could maybe use our animator again. But yeah, I really feel like, it's different for everyone, but a lot of YouTubers who you talk to who are very successful, who've been doing it for a long time, are still editing their videos. They're still doing a lot more of this. Like We were a bit of an anomaly even in our community. I think people were quite impressed with us building this team and our output of videos. Like We definitely did the, the e-myth. We definitely yeah. were the entrepreneurs for like three you years. Read it. And it, okay. Yes. okay, fine. You read it. <laughs> the baker, the baker analogy. Um <laughs> And we did, um, we did, it did feel great for a, a certain amount of time. Yeah. So maybe that is, maybe that is what people are talking and about. Three exactly. years is a long and, time. Yeah. And who knows that those three years, maybe that's why you had the space to come up with this new vision of what exactly. you do. Exactly. You know, yeah. a lot yeah. of times when your head's down in edit, you don't get to view the big vision. And that I really know that was why true. we wanted to bring people on that. Yeah. Have you had that experience as well? Like you, you have people that help uh, you on your team or? So, yeah, I actually just hired... So, I think I'm on, like, my fifth editor trying things. <laughs> um, and I had an experience with, like, full-time. And I I think it's different for everyone, but especially for YouTubers. Our schedule is so weird that full-time just became a full-time job for me to give them work. Yes, so that for is me, yes. literally the crux of it. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So, for me, it really helped to just have this small team of like three to four freelancers where I can give them a heads up. Hey, like November, December is crazy. Like we're going to have to go full on. I'm going to need right. you every week. But then, you know, January, February, when things settle down, hey, like I won't need you that much. So it's it's so such a weird fluxy job where things will be really busy and then not busy that I, I learned like doing the freelancer route really helps everyone. <laughs> That's where um, we're kind of leaning yeah. into now as well. It gives you that yeah. flexibility to exactly what you said. It's sometimes when you have full-time employees turns into a job just to make sure they have things to work on because you are like, oh gosh, like there's, if, if I don't give them work, they are just sitting around, especially when like you're the face of the brand or like we're the voice and we are like, everything has to go through you at the end of the day. Uh, so you become a limiting factor. And, and what I learned too is just making sure to continue to communicate with them. Um, honestly, it helped me getting into a serious romantic relationship in my life and learning more about communication. Hey. Actually, it helped me more as like a boss to understand, oh my gosh, communication is really the only thing that matters. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I would have like that employee getting upset about like, why am I recycling all of these boxes? Like, this isn't why you hired me. And I'm like, Bruh, if it wasn't you, it would be me who's like breaking down all these boxes of all the product that we're getting. Like, this is why I hired you. I need help. Right. It's not like this is something that's below me or below you. Like, yeah, I do like, this we're too. We're all doing everything here. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. So communication, I think, has been right. huge. Um, it's a very non-traditional job in the first place. Yeah, it's like, yeah. even when we were hiring people, it was always like, hey, this is kind of your main job, but we are all going to kind of do everything because none of us are in business we don't know how to do this and it should we want everyone to be excited and like if you exactly. want to be in a video or if you have inspired ideas to make a video like we're happy to hear that and have that be what part a of weird it. life we all live <laughs> whenever i like talk about this i'm like this is so weird <laughs> but i think you know I, I think it helps people in um you know any entrepreneurial 
space, I think a lot of things do apply because like what one of you guys said, um, I think it was Mitch, like creativity isn't scalable sometimes, yeah, a lot of the times. <laughs> so it's I a, always yeah. think about just like film, like, like filmmakers, like I'm trying to write a screenplay right now and just like learning about filmmaking. I'm like, these people disappear for four years and they go and they write. What and is they that think. like? I know. <laughs> yeah. And I'm just like, no wonder, like, I don't know. I just sometimes think it's like, it's also like the, the ethos of like being a YouTuber is a little bit messed up. Like it's like the like constant output. Yeah. The- Mm-hmm. Like for sure, and no, and no, I know we've talked about burnout and stuff, but it's frustrating because it's just like a cultural thing that everyone's just like bought into, like literally like eight years ago or whatever. That's not that long ago, and it's like okay, like how do we create spaces where we can like create less content that's better? That's hard. That's really yeah. hard. Yeah. Um, but before moving on, because I, I love getting into the nitty gritty of process, so excuse me, I have one more question. Of course, yeah. No, just keep, one more keep it going. Yeah. Um, do you guys have, you know, you've developed this team and even though you've scaled back on the, the creative help, I imagine you still have the, the managers and the agents who help you with outreach. And, you know, we have a, a mutual person, Megan, who, who put this together. Um, she's a good friend who she used to do uh, Shorty Awards in New York. So I, I met her four years ago. Um, so you have those people in your corner, what are some tools that you use to make sure everyone's on the same page? Do you use like productivity stuff like Asana, Notion? Are you oh my Google God, Docs, Google Sheets I'm people? Like, no, no, no. <laughs> so no, here's what happens now. And this is only a fairly recent development because only recently we started working with like kind of people to help project manage and like assist even with inbox and stuff. We typically are not very organized. Now we have people helping us do those things. So as much as we don't use Asana, like our, the people around us are, if you know what I mean. I think that's what we realized. And we had to have other people kind of help us realize that because it's hard when you're in your own bubble, you don't see your own faults or the things you're not good at. I think organization is a struggle for us because we love to just kind of get sucked in creative process and then you know, you want to, you want to do it when you feel like it. And when but you also we it. get sucked into anything. Like we do emails once a week for one hour now, but we used to, we used to like literally, it obsesses gets, you, right? You're always sucked on your phone. You too, just get yeah. waste time and, and videos. We end up like getting so absorbed in them that we kind of go off the radar. So now we have our team at least be, they know we, we can warn them and then they can kind of keep the pieces moving and let people know and let us know if something's urgent. So, um, I mean, definitely we're big proponents of like Google Docs. Like we share all of our scripts and all the organization of that sort of stuff with the team. But in terms of now we have people help us manage our calendar. Like now every hour of our day is like ev- like put in blocks of things that of course we have autonomy over, but other people are helping us to be like, here's when you have time to just work and we're going to dedicate your work blocks for three hours in the afternoon. Oh, that's so, so important to have those chunks. You- yeah, and it makes you realize how it actually, for me, is more helpful to make me realize how little I actually can do. Like, when you don't have that, like, visually laid out, then you go to bed thinking, like, oh, I didn't get anything done. But then you're like, oh, you actually see the day. You're like, oh, wow. And <laughs> there's not that much I can actually really do today based on, like, the amount of time I have to do creative work. Right. So it helps with that. And we we do work in the evenings, for sure. But we take weekends, like pretty like i love that you have we don't yeah we're very like i think one thing we are definitely and have always been good at is like a work-life balance like i think we've really I sort of the beginning it was maybe that. a challenge yeah I would no say, like but we had roommates <laughs> then so it was easy to have that life part we would just like right you live with we them, were young so. and but like, there was we, a lot of challenges where we're like we would work like from 9 a.m till midnight 
all and they'd be like, Hey, you want to watch a movie later? And we'd be like, Yeah, and then it would come and he'd be like, Oh shoot, I have so much I want to do. But then eventually we hit a yeah, yeah. <laughs> and we hit a point where we were just like, That's not sustainable for us. Like we as much as we want to be like good at our job and successful, like we also want to have successful relationships and family and friends and stuff. And I think so. we have sacrificed like su- like quote unquote success or our career for that, for sure. Like a lot of the Toronto based YouTubers that we sort of came up with moved to LA, like, you know, blew up, did all these things. And we were like, we're never going to move there. We're not like, we're Canadian. Who are like, some our of those Toronto YouTubers? Like Lily, that... like Lily Singh, oh, yeah. like Lord DIY, Matt yeah. Santoro. Like there was a handful of people that kind of like, kind of blew up here. And we kind of had a bit of a scene here for a little bit, but then there was a lot of pressure for everyone to move. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. yeah like they like, moved to LA. Bye. And like, I just think like looking back on that, it's interesting because we really had a firm like stance on it. We were like, we're not going to move there. Um, and I don't know, I guess I like now that the time has passed, I'm like really proud of that decision. Like I really like, I'm, I, th- I really think that it sort of is what made like, like we chose our like family and friends essentially is like what it was. But also, like, it is, it, it wasn't a hard decision, but looking back on it, I'm like, whoa, that was a big life choice. But at the time, it didn't feel like one. It was just like, oh, we're like, obviously, we're not going to move to LA. Like, I don't know. It was just, it's just like a well, weird LA thing to reflect is that on. thing that is just always behind you, just peeping in. You're like, are you going to move? Are you going to do it? And you go there and the weather's beautiful, but then you realize people are only hanging out with me because I'm the person who's in LA for only a week. And when you move there, things are probably going to change, you know? Totally. So, yeah, yeah I've heard that story a bunch where it is like, because, and everyone there, and no shade to anyone, but it's like a lot of people there are really focused on their career. Yeah. And so, and it takes I, two hours to get anywhere. Yeah, exactly. And it is, yeah, it is, it's just such a different city than New York, I feel. Uh, just even like culturally and what how people live their lives. New York is much more similar to Toronto. It's like a, obviously a much more massive kind of crazy version of Toronto, but it's amazing and it's like so lively. And I feel like people work really hard in New York, but they know that their kind of like outside life is like a really important part. And of they're Toronto. they're working really hard in like a bunch of diverse fields. Like, right. Yes. It's like a, there's LA, such there's a variety of things. That's yeah. when you go to LA, you know. Okay, you're in an industry city. I love that yeah. in New York they're are so many of course like finance and business but um there's entertainment there's all these different Science, things and you, is yeah and you go on a subway theater. and you you could be with any one type of person yeah you know? I, it's just insane it's so weird to me that there's not like a thriving theater scene in la because like whenever we went we were living in la for two months and like i love theater so like we went to go see plays and i'm like okay this is like it's like it was like as good as toronto but i'm like hello aren't isn't everyone here like directors and actors like put on a freaking play like while you're like writing your like i don't know not i shouldn't well, say that so like, acting is easy play. but i'm like kate planchette's always in like a play in new york like she's obviously busy like why hasn't this it's just like weird to me like that's the other thing it's like so then when you're in la you're also like you're also like eliminating the ability to see like the really epic art of like theater <laughs> like it's like okay i'm here for like the quote-unquote art of entertainment and i don't even get like the thing that's like in my opinion, like so interesting. It's like, okay. And we, and LA is like, it is kind of becoming the influencer energy. Like I, it's funny. Cause you, I think of like TV and movies, but then when you get there, you're like, whoa, okay. A lot of everyone's talking about the culture that like we're in, 
like every like Uber driver, I'm like, oh yeah, I'm, I'm like, oh, I'm actually a YouTuber. They're like, yeah, me too. I'm like, okay, true. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like actually, I love like, how it's either that or like, okay, give me the ten steps that you do to make money, and I'm gonna write them down as I drive you to your destination. It's like, uh. <laughs> uh, yeah, and so like I think that like that's another thing. I don't, not that I don't like being or I like that our life is this job that does in many ways people would quote unquote be like a youtube influencer or whatever like obviously we're like we talk about science and we try and like yeah but i like that i when i leave my house at the end of the day i'm not thinking about that culture like whereas in la i was i was like wait is that a youtuber like that is a youtuber like is that person vlogging like they are vlogging (laughs) yeah it's 100 percent of your identity um which is you know what some people want which is great Thank you, Skillshare, for sponsoring That Creative Life. Skillshare is an online learning community for creatives where millions come together to take the next step in their creative journey. So they have classes in film, video, music production, and animation, just to list off a few. And guess what? I have a class. It is called How to Vlog, and it really is YouTube basics. So it's what should be your first camera. How do you start video editing? How do you even open up a premiere timeline? How to vlog? The things that go uh, into that. And even if you don't want to be a YouTuber, just documenting life, I think, is one of the most rewarding things. And that will help you take your first step in doing it. And I'll make sure to link uh, my Skillshare class down in the description below as well. Members get unlimited access to thousands and thousands of classes that have hands-on projects and real feedback from a community of literally millions of people. So you don't just buy one class when you join, you have access to thousands of them. So there's a lot of weird uncertainty right now. And to be honest, guys, um, I'm not feeling like at my most creative as I used to, which I think is understandable. Um, But Ali Abdal and Thomas Frank, who both have been on this podcast, um, they both have amazing Skillshare classes about productivity. And it's really just been inspiring for me to watch and learn from them and focusing on the organization of my work, which I know will help me in the future once I once I get back all of that video energy, uh, video making energy, excuse me. Um, but that's been really fun to lock down some new tools, uh, you know, for different types of workflows with organization. You guys know I've talked about Notion and I'm really getting into that and they use that a lot. And so they have Skillshare classes. And even though I might not be producing as many videos, it's just it's a great uh, thing to learn. And I'm learning new things, which helps my helps jog my brain. <laughs> um, you know, if you have kids at home, there's so many creative classes and projects that you can engage not only with yourself, but with your kiddos. Anyways, so I say all this to say, check out Skillshare.com slash That Creative Life. And it's also pretty affordable with the annual subscription. It is less than $10 a month. So check out the two free months, Skillshare.com slash That Creative Life. And uh, let's get back to the podcast. You guys actually had a podcast episode about hustle culture. Can can you share what you found the ideal work week is? What, was there a wall of how many hours that typically people can work? What did you discover from from doing that podcast? Well, so on like the science and so I think there's two perspectives. It's like our sort of 
philosophy on life and then the science part of it is obviously there's lots of countries that have tested countries cities places that have tested like four-day work weeks have tested like shorter work days and generally like the results have shown like a four-day work week actually makes people more productive like having a three-day weekend like they end up using their time and capitalizing on the time they have more efficiently which is interesting so just necessarily working more hours does not necessarily make you more efficient but i think in in the broad terms of hustle culture and i think society is starting to have this conversation more and more it was like a huge boom of like hustle hustle and now people realize like that's not necessarily healthy it's not necessarily promoting the values of like just trying to make money and be successful are not things that really fill that's, your soul it's, right? it's all connected to capitalism and yeah so that comes that. into our philosophy of like you know and i think we we get to say this because we've gone through that struggle ourselves where it's exciting. It's so fun to like make a bunch of money when you're young and then get a bunch of viewers and have like this ability to have people watch your stuff. And that I don't want to take that away from people, but having been on the other end, it's like none of that really matters. Our most popular videos are by no means the videos we're most proud of and that fill us the longest and that we think back on. Right. And the amount of money we've made is really not, of course you want to have like a stable life and be able to spend your money how you want. But ultimately, hustle culture is so intertwined with i think money and success it doesn't have to be but i think like on the broad term it is that i think it is promoting like cultural values that are actually not fulfilling people long term i'm i'm a much more like intense person than mitch with my opinions and i'm like hustle culture is embarrassing in my opinion (laughs) especially now it's like okay there's been a literal reckoning like we have lived through a pandemic we have been like uh, for many people, our eyes have now been open to like the injustices of society, the inequality in society. To me, I'm like, if you are a part of hustle culture, if you're doing that whole LA, like, look at all this like shit that I have. Like, I, like again, where I'm more intense, it's like F. I'm not, I don't know if you can swear on your podcast, <laughs> you, because it is all linked. It's like you're so you're actually like contributing to this like culture of people who are saying that money comes first, that like um, cultural capital comes first. And that always means that it has to be on the backs of other people's labor or something below them. Like, obviously, we are Canadian. But on top of that, I am very much a socialist. And like, I do feel like it is completely connected. And like, as YouTubers, the whole ethos at the beginning was like, oh, it's like equal opportunity. Like, anyone can do this. And then it's like, now, obviously, we see the industry take over. And like, why are people buying into this like, so like effortlessly. And I think we do have a lot of young people watching us. And I do think that like, there's a lot of like, it's, it's a nuanced conversation, but hustle cult, like being like work hard, like get your goal like that to me. I'm like, to what end is this like ever really going to be that good or even that interesting? I'm just like, what? And I think it does. It's just like, there's one other study I'll bring up. And it was like somebody who, um, it was like the people's biggest regrets at the end of their life. So it was like a person that worked with elderly patients and, and like did these big surveys around like the things they thought about their life. And like the most common themes where I worked too much and I didn't spend enough time with my family, (laughs) not to say that your values and things can change and brush your teeth in your life. (laughs) (laughs) It was like a lot, like Like number three was like teeth care, like, cause then you can't eat food. Um, Um, but but yeah, yeah, I think we have slightly, like, I agree with Greg. I think I understand that we're all products of the system. So some people do this with good intentions. Some people hustle to do good work that is related to helping people in the world. And I think if you're right. doing that, then I take back everything I'm saying, but I'm not, <laughs> right. I'm just saying well, like, it's, it's all about, you know, it, it depends how it's like, 
if you're renting that Lamborghini solely to flash it on Instagram, you know, maybe you need to reevaluate things. It just yeah. depends. But also, what... why do you need to rent a Lamborghini? Full <laughs> yeah, stop. This is where true, I'm at. True. I'm like, why? Like, honestly, <laughs> right, I find cars right. very f- interesting. I'm like, <laughs> it's such a flex. I'm like, okay, yeah. why do you so, have that car? Right. What do you guys? Right. Sorry. What do you guys <laughs> is think? Like. <laughs> <laughs> a healthier <laughs> North Star, you know, yeah, yeah. for people who who are like, man, but right now in my life, you know, work is, is that for me? I, mm-hmm. I love it. And it's what I have. And, and, you know, when I have a family, sure, I'll, I'll pivot because, you know, I think that's so Im- important. Like when you're old, what are the regrets? And you'll right. find a lot of consistencies with that. Um, so what do you think is that, that healthy North Star? Because, um, you know, even if you say, happiness that can sometimes be that's um, a trap (laughs) like literally happiness is about sort of accepting that you're never gonna like quote unquote be happy happy all the time (laughs) it's like you know you have to it's a quest so yeah i think yeah i don't want to suggest that i think work is an important part of people's lives and i think lots of older people too decide not to retire because they want to have that meaning in their life they want to have something that they can work towards and feel that they're contributing so by no means do i think anyone should feel ashamed of working and ashamed of having goals because it can give people purpose and of course i think what we're seeing in the pandemic too it's like Oh my yeah. gosh. Yeah. Without- I stopped working for three months and had an existential crisis as we <laughs> talked about. So. so it's less that, but I think, yeah, in terms of North Star, obviously it's different for everyone. I think one thing I would say is going through this transition ourselves of being people, not that we were so like this, but, you know, being people who were hustling and who were trying really hard and like focused on the success of things, of course, intertwined with wanting to like make science accessible and those kind of things. But ultimately, I think when you, reevaluate and try to change things in your life you have to accept that there will be a transition period where it is actually harder so like if you are really used to working all the time it's actually not going to feel good if you try and stop working as much because your body's not going to know what to do with that and you might have to sacrifice numbers or money yeah i think i think there's just a, a point and i don't know what this line is but the conversation is at what point do you have enough money for yourself that you can actually start to transform what you do and make sure it's also really considering the lives of others. And I won't make this about like different countries, but I do think when we talk about like sort of capitalist leaning countries versus like socialist leaning countries, the idea is like, how do we have a society that is not so individualistic, right? Like how do we build societies that of course you want the the benefit for yourself and your family and the people you care about, but can we care about more broadly our societies? Can we make sure that we have programs libraries community centers for people how can you be part of that i really think like the science shows that when you contribute to projects or things that help other people those are truly the most fulfilling moments of your life doesn't mean it's easy to do it doesn't mean stepping away outside of yourself and being like i'm gonna sacrifice my success for the success of others but ultimately i think that's why people who do volunteer charity work like really have much more fulfilled lives i think and i think there's more overlap than people realize in that you know you guys are in canada we're in america we worry a lot about healthcare mm-hmm. um because it's expensive and totally. i think Tax there is the more <laughs> yeah <laughs> well there, there's more overlap than people realize because i think the most entrepreneurial thing you can do is take care of healthcare for people so it's not tied yes. to employment totally. i think that that could you know two birds with one stone where if you know 
Sarah from XYZ company who's not quitting her company because she's scared of healthcare. She's not going out and creating that small business because wow. of that. Mm-hmm. Well, that's not super entrepreneurial and exactly. American, I feel like, oh, right? Oh my God. So like, honestly, like to any of you American listeners, like as Canadians, it's like the fact that healthcare has somehow been wrapped into your political like division it's weird, right? is insane. And when we yeah. go to America... I know this is like sort of shady, but I'm like, this is a developing country. Like this is what I, when I come here, that is like, I, some, like me and Mitch have talked a lot about saying that to Americans. I like to say that because I think it's like, it's mostly to talk about healthcare being like, as a Canadian, like you have so much wealth. It's, it, it, it's, it's about taxing the wealthy. We get taxed at a really high rate. Thank goodness. Mm-hmm. Because we make Wait, a bunch of out money. Out of curiosity, can you share what your tax rate is? On just normal, like, uh, individual expenditures, it's, like, 13% here. So that's not, like, so high. But then for corporations and individuals who make, say, like, over, over 100000 100, it could be, it could be, like, 30% or something yeah. like that. Yeah, it's, and it's, it's high for small businesses mm-hmm. who make a lot of money. It's high for right. large business, Like, right. that aspect of things. And it's federal. Uh, we right. have a much smaller country. A lot of your states have different things. Right. Because here's the thing. As someone who has grown into uh being a new york resident having a small business um the i think a lot of the frustration for me is like and what we're, we're seeing at a large scale too look at the nypd budget yes, of 5.8 exactly. billion dollars what are my tax dollars going to yes exactly there's this thing in america where i'm like y'all we gotta like burn this ish down and rebuild because mm-hmm. before you start taking more because uh, full disclosure i'm paying 45 percent tax And that is something, and I live in New York City, which it is unique, but when I'm running, quote unquote, a small business, you know, that's less money than I'm putting into hiring these freelancers to doing X, Y, Z. And as a New Yorker, I love that I have these beautiful parks to go to. And there's all these things where I do see my tax money going towards something. But when we have, again, that crazy NYPD budget, we have- There's these things where I have such a hard time reconciling because it's like, if they're going to take beyond 45%, what is that going to? Because I feel a, like we haven't seen a lot of proof of it going to ex- things that right. are helpful. That's an interesting that, that I hadn't considered. Canadians have experienced. You exactly. Know, I'm like, but it's healthcare. healthcare. That's what I mean. It's let's, literally healthcare yeah. because, because that is <laughs> like, when sure, people start <laughs> to feel more okay with those higher tax brackets because their health is what like when i think about paying tax you're right i think about parks i think about like assisted living like on our street like it's cool there's all these important things but most of it i'm just thinking is the fact that we have healthcare. i'm like take the money so it's like (laughs) obviously defund the police like that is so important like the amount of money that we are now realizing that is going into these like insane institutions is an issue and that's why i'm like like I just when I go to America, I'm like everyone come together about healthcare <laughs> yeah. because yeah. that will also help right. people have the, less but, of that inhibition against paying taxes when they start to feel like their lives mm-hmm. when it comes to going to the hospital or to actually like feel safe are finally being protected. Right. I think and, it's and that's why though. yeah, and I think that's why it's so it's so hard to compare. Can, uh, can't can, I almost said. Yeah, it's like, because, yeah. you know, the, the values are so different and yeah, there's so many, hard. just what I, the past two weeks, there's so many things that we've been discussing where at the core of it, we're, I feel like we're discussing even the wrong things and that 
it goes back hundreds of years where our entire system is screwed, like the yes. electoral college and mm, like yeah. <laughs> where our tax money actually going to. And like this re- representative democracy that we're in really isn't representing our popular votes. Like what are we even doing here? And yeah, that gets well, I think as so. Canadians, like one yeah, thing I want to defend America. It. I want to defend America again. Well, but you I, go. I'll, yeah, I was yeah. just going to say, like, it's such a true point because I think as Canadians and Americans, we see ourselves as pretty similar, but there are some pretty large divides that we don't think about that make sense why Americans might feel certain ways about healthcare. I often yeah. think about like, I not to say that there aren't like anti-vaxxers in Canada, but the idea that we're being exploited to make money by vaccines. It's like our government, our vaccines are free here. Like we don't have to pay for vaccines ever. And so the idea that we're being exploited to it is like taken away from our minds. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Whereas I could see in a country where you're like being forced and told you should take these things, but you have to pay money for them. That's when you go, well, am I just being told to do this so someone can make a bunch of money off of me? And I think, I think in Canada and it relates to the pandemic as well. So countries that have a higher trust in their government have handled the pandemic much better. And America, you know, traditionally is built on the foundation of like, we need to make sure that we can always hold our government responsible. Like there's the first and second amendment to make sure that individuals can like protect themselves from tyrannical governments, which in in essence are great things, right? Yeah. 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 But that's how we protect times like this. It it shows that like that distrust in the government can also cause a lot of problems. And I think that that sometimes the, not a huge difference, but Canadians, I think, have generally more trust that our government will make those decisions yeah. properly. There's more people in California than there is in all of Canada. Mm-hmm. There there are only 36 million people in Canada. I think sometimes this idea of looking to Sweden, looking to Norway, looking to Canada yeah. for these like democracies, hard yeah. there's hardly any people. So you can govern yeah. them from a federal... Like exactly. We're essentially a, the population of one state. Yeah. Yeah. So and that's another why, thing to remember. And this is why I you know, as many of the issues that America has, why I think we're so special is like, we are the biggest melting pot. Like these issues, we got to push through and we have to change things. But at the end of the day, it's like, I'm proud of us that we can coexist in a way where like the diversity of opinions and skin color and ethnicities and sexual orientation and like where you're from, it is so diverse. And that's what I feel like is worth fighting for. Right. Yeah. And it's going to be messy but I think at the end of the day, everything is so politicized where people are realizing that, guys, police brutality and like the institution of that has nothing to do with Republican or Democrat. Yeah, Since Bill Clinton, things have been militarized like an insane under amount all, and it, it yeah. under all presidents. So this is bigger than your party right this and is de- defund take- the police like what you were saying and take that money and put it somewhere else that actually right. does protect civilians. Yeah. Yeah. And and um, even things like like for us it's a challenge cuz climate change is politicized when it, it is oh God, historically Did you guys like, get flack for uh Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation sponsoring one of your videos? Um I think that happened early enough didn't. that he wasn't turned into like the okay. alt right target. Is that what you mean? <laughs> cuz holy smokes. What is this yeah. thing where like it was like oh my gosh Bill Gates is funding four like, different factories for all of the coronavirus but then it's just turned into this like depopulation and he's like this evil uh, it's interesting it is wild yeah we I'm like, sometimes I'm like how like i like my like literal like i don't have the intellectual capacity to like handle these things i'm like way same what? well i mean okay like we just saw i don't know how political we want to get but like the president just tweeted about like conspiracy theory about 
that guy, the old man who was pushed over and has head bleeding over that. You know what I mean? That he was actually trying well, to. Well, it's like, getting to some... the point where we're even seeing the videos, and now we're yeah. like, refuting videos. So I mean, proof. it makes you yeah. like when conspiracy the theories. Of, we have a bunch of, of videos about country that. Country is also peddling these conspiracy theories. You wonder, of course, there's like parts of the communities that are then going, oh, Bill. Like I think the the true answer is that like the system is not working in many many countries, right? Like there's a bigger and bigger wealth divide. There's bigger disparities than ever. People just want an answer and want to figure out like people are suffering and they don't know why. So to find to be able to go Bill Gates, he's the one who's controlling everything. I'm not saying Bill Gates is a saint, right? Like I don't I don't care if I don't he's think a billionaire, to be a billionaire. Like he doesn't need to be like defended. He can defend himself <laughs> with his billions of dollars. I just think like it makes sense. Conspiracy theories, we do have a video on it, and it is like it comes typically out of, people who are it's it's from fear. It's from yeah. feeling a lack of control. And I think now more mm-hmm. than ever with a pandemic, with this huge racial divide and with everything that's been going on for like even since like the economy crashes and stuff, it's like yeah. people it's cognitively like they've just done studies on people who believe in conspiracy theories. It is all about control and the fact that it feels like you have lost control of your life, you're more likely to believe them and so it it does make sense that now more than ever people are going to be susceptible bill gates happens to be sort of like the target which i think is very misplaced when it comes to like the concept of like vaccination or something like that which is like obviously going to be very essential it is essential but also with the coronavirus just like one of those moments where you're like okay couldn't it have just been like some random other thing <laughs> um but yeah so like it, again like it's not necessarily it's important for us, especially so how we work. Like we think like, why are these things happening? And so we're not, there's definitely not giving an answer, but the reason it is happening is about uncertainty and that's obviously been exacerbated. So how do we tackle it and like try and stop it is a different story, but it is of course good to try and figure out the root cause and conspiracy theories, YouTube. There you go. Big, big issue with that. They've, they've created an environment where they've, where conspiracy theories have thrived and, that's not necessarily something they ever intended to do, but it makes sense. It's an open platform and they are really popular and they are about giving people answers, simple answers to complex to the complexity of life. And so that is sexy. Science is actually not sexy. In most cases, the answer is quite nuanced or it's like, here's the study. And also this is why this study was actually wrong. <laughs> and this is why this study needs to be better. Like it's, if you, whenever there's a simple answer for complex subjects, you should be skeptical. But I get why a lot of people don't want to be. That's, that's not good. That's not going to no, make that's them good. feel. Yeah. Okay, guys, we're going to pivot a little more lighthearted towards <laughs> the, the last kind of third of this podcast. Like. <laughs> this is no, this is great though, because I mean, I'll, I mean, I make videos about tech, so this podcast is kind of like an avenue where I feel comfortable talking Just about this. Talk so about it's, anything it's you fun. Want, yeah, yeah <laughs> I, I enjoy it. Um, but in a recent podcast that y'all did about animal crossing which by the way have been obsessed so, <laughs> so fun uh, it's just been it's been such a great release from everything for the first time in probably three or four years i took one week where i was having I, i'm pretty sure literal anxiety attacks for the first time in my life um with everything going on but animal crossing was there for me to shut off my brain and just you know it was it was there for me um but in it Mitch, you, you mentioned that you were in a screamo band, which is hilarious because 
I I grew up also. We were in a screamo band. It was more of a pop rock band, but I I was like the emo kid going to like Under Oath concerts and Devil yes. Prada oh and Chiodos. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, um, and so it was one of those things. I was like, it's so funny how everyone has like a music background somehow if you're doing video if you're doing something creative and i love to connect those dots are, are y'all both musical how how has music played yeah like a greg is definitely life? even more so than me like the music uh like you're you're tapped into music culture i i, I love like music. the musician and i obviously like have certain music tastes but greg is like aware of like current music culture well it's I. it's it's so interesting like Wait, I want to ask you about your band though. Like, what what was it called, and like, what were some okay, of the songs? So our band was called The Bad Habits. Oh, um, edgy! We're bad. We got bad. Super, we chew our nails. Super edgy, yeah. And uh, you know, I'm sure you don't. Were you you're sing- not aware were you of singer? Dallas, but so I actually played electric guitar. So nice. I was like Whoa. the lead guitar player. I had the pedals and the amps and like five guitars. Like that was my entire life. That's um, so cool. Yeah, Can I ask how old you are? I am 25. Oh, my God. I had to think about that. Wow. <laughs> so you're young, but you were still into e- like emo? Yeah. Like- oh, I mean, that was my entire high school. I was like my entire life was basketball <clears throat> until sophomore year. And I discovered music and I discovered electric guitar. And like Paramore was my. I was, love Paramore. They were my yeah. heroes. <laughs> they right? idols. Yeah. And so I was saw Under Oath like Lewis. making new albums when you were in high school. Like how old? Yeah. Like. Yeah. They were, oh, so, wow. so okay. that that's right when they kind of released their last album with like Aaron Gillespie and then he left and then mm-hmm. and then it became like one hundred percent screamo. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, he was the ah. singer. Yeah. Oh, that was yeah, always yeah. the drummer. That was I was the like best part, the refuge, when he'd be like, <laughs> Jesus, I'm ready to go. Well, there, yeah, there was always the screamer. There was always the, the singer and there was a good balance. I appreciated yes. yeah. the balance of things. Me too. Um, yeah. So, so I did that whole thing. We played Deep LM in, in Dallas. I grew up in Dallas. And so we played at the sketchy bars. I would go to school the next day with the like X's on my hands. As oh, a no big old. deal. This is really edgy, you know. <laughs> That's awesome. No, well, like yeah. Mitch is so you're, Mitch is so talented at music. Like I don't yeah. think you should say I'm the musical one. No, sorry. I, I think I'm the more musical, like yeah. in terms of actually right. performing. It's amazing. What but Greg, you, well, is, you like, guys have jingles and stuff and songs. Yeah, yeah we and yeah we have a handful of songs. That's actually like more more of my favorite things to make. It's just that the amount of time it takes to produce one is so long, and then. In a schedule of trying to put out a video regularly, you're like, oh my gosh, am I going to be able to spend like a two months making a music video? But- I failed my grade seven piano exam. <laughs> so there you go. I definitely like what Mitch is talking though is about. I, I app like at no point in my day is there not music in my ears. Like I love yeah. music. I truly am relying on hearing aid development to in make sure that I don't have. <laughs> I'm not lose like that I actually exists. am already losing my hearing. But my my grandpa has a hearing aid that is connected to Bluetooth that he can that, connect his no, phone yeah. and, and music. Yes, <laughs> Bo- Bose is like really on it. Like I definitely have tinnitus, yep. like for sure. I'm like I'm like I'm leaning into the technology, saving my ears because I can't stop. I, I think it. music is amazing. I I find it. I think part of the reason why I do love it though is maybe because I have less of an understanding. I think it's like fascinating, and I think it's hard to just art is so interesting to me as a scientist because even when you learn about like physics or like quantum physics or like actually how the universe works, it's like you can explain like every, like so many things through just like the forces of nature. Like that is like how evolution works. But when it comes to art, 
there aren't the answers aren't there like you can't explain yeah. why like even when i do stand-up comedy i can't explain why a joke can land and then like the next night not land like the factors aren't scientific how long have me, you been doing stand-up um oh my god i guess like two and a half years that's like i, I, was like, it, I just started going? Like two, <laughs> good, well, I mean, but now i don't do that it takes, which i it, it's a yeah. very challenging thing so like the fact that i'm not doing it now i'm like Whew, this is nice yeah. um but <laughs> my point is more like I don't have the, like, I'm like obsessed with it because I think it's like, you know, when I get that feeling or that rush, it's like so unexplainable yeah. to me. So sometimes I wonder if like, maybe even Mitch, you like music less because you like know more about it. I don't you know, know if what I, I like mean? music like, less. I just have like a much more, it takes me a lot to really get into a band. And then when I do, I'm, I'm like weirdly obsessed. So yeah. I still listen to those emo bands because like they had yeah. such an impact on me and there's maybe like three or four of them that like yeah. it, to this day I can put on and listen to the whole album. Do you I still li- find... Do you listen to, to the a, new Haley? What's the name? Yes, of it's so it's freaking good. moody. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, it is moody, but I, I do I like. Love it. I think she's so talented. Yeah, she's oh, got an amazing she, voice. Yeah, she's an amazing I mean, voice. As a, um, you know, being a chick and not seeing a lot of like badass chick guitar players, Haley Williams, even though, you know, she was a singer and I, I always right. hated that I couldn't sing. It was like a chip <laughs> on my shoulder, but seeing, seeing her just like be a freaking rocker. Rock yeah, I was like, yeah. that's going to be me. I'm going to be in a band. So it, that didn't work out. I defaulted to Same. a YouTuber, but hey, it's okay. And the, oh the my gosh, that, <laughs> we should the, make the, a YouTube so, yeah. little band. Yes. <laughs> and I then, know, do you know who Physics Girl is? Like Diana yeah. Cowan. Yeah, she yeah. also was in like a rock band or something when she was younger and is like obsessed and wants to make one. I'm like, we should gather I the truth. Yes. That. And then Greg, you can do stand up. Yeah. You know, you can either yeah, be or, the, honestly, I can just be the biggest fan. I'll just see, <laughs> I'll just like explain to people why it's so good. I love that. But also, um, like, I do feel like. Um, the emo music was not it, it was misogynist it was not inclusive it is to the women fact that she is all. like the only one that i can really name at least that like and it. the lyrics are literally so demeaning to women like they're at pretty the time, aggro I was, right yeah, yeah and I i'm was, like why was i listening yeah. to this i remember i i listened recently to um oh what is the band it was the use i can't we'll think of it things. now <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the use so good um yeah, gosh, I can't, I won't remember it, but I was listening to actually the lyrics and I was like, oh, this isn't what I remember because I would kind of just like sing along to the lyrics yeah. and not even think about it. I know. And then you're like, oh, this is interesting. It's like right? murdering someone. It's violently <laughs> misogynist. Yeah. So um, I, did, did yeah. you guys ever listen to Dance Gavin Dance? That's more of a niche band. I don't think no. so. I recognize okay. the name. Okay, but- you're bragging. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Well, I, I discovered. I so basically, there was all these emo bands that kind of like the different members kind of branched off and made this other band. Um, and they only lasted for two years. But Mitch, Who you were talking about getting really in. It was like Dance Gavin Dance and a person from um, one of those adjacent maybe it's like seosin or something oh my um, god yeah <laughs> but they're called they're called eternity, eternity forever, forever. <laughs> and there's someone who you, you listen to it and musically it's so amazing so oh, wow. i just wanted to mitch okay. you might enjoy it i'm gonna it's, write it's this very, yeah that's it, gonna be my it. music break today yeah. and then maybe um, you can inspire your ba- your youtuber band off of them a bit. exactly yeah. exactly eternity um, forever that's a gr- that's a great concept as a and thing. the guitar is really good into it so so <laughs> i got into it. really into wow. it but um okay sorry for that tangent i just i just <laughs> no, find I it that. so fascinating <laughs> 
Mitch was the uh, singer too. Well, I also think it's really important as as YouTubers, as creators, and as scientists especially that people have diverse interests. I think it yeah. brings so much to the table. Like the fact mm-hmm. that you have that engineering experience and now you're into tech and that you love music. It's just like and that you're a woman in tech as well is like mm-hmm. those things can bring so much uniqueness to the the yeah. thing you do. And I think that is just something that I think is so important, especially in science, because people have like a very narrow view of a what a scientist looks like or sound like or acts like and is interested right. in. Whereas right. I think more and more. And there are studies to show this, that like yeah. diversity in science actually breeds like more amazing scientists, more right. more citations on research papers that have diverse mixes of names. Um, and, and just then being that, like proud and of also that. also range like they've like they've that book that you were ta- that you've read. Oh, yeah. There's an amazing book that just like we've all been kind of conditioned to think that we should be specializing so much when more and more research is coming out and that having a breadth of knowledge is hmm. like such an asset in so many ways. Like, like that uh, Malcolm you, Gladwell concept of like 40,000 hours. 10,000 10, hours. 10, hours. Yeah. It's sort of like a little bit against that being like, no, like actually having your foot in like a variety of different interests really like flourishes them all. Yeah. And you start to, I mean, there's a lot of science to back it, but obviously we can talk about yeah. it just like more from an intellectual perspective. And it's like, that makes sense. Like it yeah. all bleeds and together. In this new economy and world that we're in, where it's not just, you know, the the four, the, the New York Times, the CNNs of the world that are giving opinions and building community, it's now much more, you guys have your community and I have my community and there's maybe some overlap, but it's this beautiful world where like those different niches that you have really establishes community and mm-hmm. uh, re- what's the word repertoire or report i don't know whatever that word is yeah (laughs) with the people and exactly and it's like a good bonding thing of like hey i'm this weirdo who loves electric guitar and talking about (laughs) pedals but also i love tech and like come be a part of this weirdo community that we have here and it's and it makes it more enjoyable and i i think like what you're saying the world benefits from not just four really big group think communities but a, a very big variety of communities which i think youtube as all of the crap that they've been a part of with the conspiracy hole you know black holes and there's a lot of improvement youtube can uh have i think that's something really good that came out of it was these unique creative communities anyways for sure um okay wrapping things up what are you guys excited about what should people be looking for a vaccine for for coronavirus (laughs) (laughs) I think honestly, a big thing we've been before the pandemic kind of hit, we ourselves, like we, like we said, we took like three months off. We've been kind of pivoting and being like, Hey, how do we really tap into something? We, not that we didn't care about the work we were doing before, but we've just grown. We've changed as people. And I think for us, even the environmental movement and talking about climate change and finding ways to, for us, it's always been, how do you get people to care about things they don't care about? So science generally was that before. Now it's like, how can you make environmentalism exciting how can you make people inspired how can you make them think it's cool and be part of a community and ultimately you're not how, just... how can you make money off of it because that's the only reason why people will care right like if you, yeah it's in some ways yeah like that is uh, to a thing that we hate um yeah. or it's like such a hard thing where you realize yeah like sometimes capitalism has to be that leading voice is that true or not i'm not totally sure but it is like how do you yeah once things become profitable in the environmental space it's like of course you can see that shift will happen faster but ultimately for us we're kind of like hey we want to really use that voice now shift we're more mature we're older now and it's like what is that legacy going to be for us i think is what we're looking towards in terms of actually making a tangible impact that we can measure yeah and i think for me it's like i've always been wanting to have 
I, I always thought if I got people interested in science, that's a net positive. And I still think in many ways it is, but I also think in many ways it's not like, like science, the science community I'm having a bit of like a reckoning with right now. It's extremely like white, male, straight men still. And it's like, okay, there's a lot of voices left out of that. So why am I so proud of this like institution? So I'm trying to figure out how to create, obviously I think climate, like talking about climate change is checking power, but I want to figure out like how to make videos and make people rally behind science in a way that kind of checks the institutions and powers at B, which I think that's also a very recent thing for me thinking about what everything with everything going on. I think now is the time that we look at all of our institutions and start to go, huh, why are these the way that they are and how can we like help, you know, actually have a meaningful impact in our lives. And I think sometimes it might go against making money, but we've made a bunch of money. So I think we're on the other end of that. Like how do we, yeah, yeah I don't know. Yeah. That's, and, you, and you have the, and you're in, you know, a great position where you've built up the audience. You have 9 million subscribers that you can act. Yeah. It is, it I think is. we might sometimes lose it, a bunch of them. Yeah. <laughs> sometimes it becomes a box that you're like, we obviously yeah. have many, many subscribers and followers that we like appreciate so much and are true fans and really hear yes, our voice. But are. I think we've had to come with a little reckoning because we had such accessible content. We've actually attracted like a lot of different people that when we right. want to talk, like people are still like extremely homophobic to us just because like we used to just make really? whiteboard videos. Right. But when, every yeah, time we're yeah. in a video, it's like the dislike ratio is way higher just because wow. we're like two gay guys. It's, it's changed over can, the can years. Can you talk about that shift over? Cause I, I noticed like in the earlier times, there was a lot of, you know, the three minute the drawings, animation, yeah. you don't show your face, but recently you guys have, you know, been much more in the videos being being the face yeah that's been it's a, a couple things one i think is that we just wanted to change things so there was that level of just hey how can we challenge ourselves make something different obviously algorithmically algorithmically youtube's like kind of pushing towards longer videos so we're like hey we literally can't animate 10 minute long videos it takes <laughs> so long um but also there i think there's a power in connecting to people personally and i think we didn't have that for a long time because we were a faceless channel i think that is the reason our videos were so popular because it was like not devoid of personality but devoid of personhood if you know what i mean that they could just spread because it was just based on the topic but i think there's something powerful to being like no we, we're part of something we want to have a community and we want to be a face here so people can connect to us and um, being gay isn't the most radical thing in like a lot of spaces even like let's think <laughs> even like a dancer <laughs> or something like there are spaces where as like let's even just go as niche as like gay men like that where we're expected but in the sciences it is a little bit more radical and i think there is a part of us that's like okay if you're gonna come and watch our content you need to know who we are you need to know that we are gay and we are proud of that and that is part of why you're gonna have a diverse sort of like look at the science that we are creating like we're going to make videos about being transgender we're going to make videos about the gay gene because we feel more comfortable those aren't going to be made by our peers so come here if you want that type of stuff and if you want our you know queer perspective and i think that there's a lot of value in that but i do think like it is it is a it, challenge it's been a people. challenge because yeah. we've transitioned and i think for any youtuber and maybe you relate i'm not sure but when if you want to pivot it's difficult because you've built an audience based on one thing and maybe they're not there for that. And maybe that's not them being mean, but maybe they're just saying, actually, I didn't subscribe. And YouTube hasn't been built for that. So they'll, yeah. they'll figure it out with you, but they're not built to have people pivot their content. So we've been slowly transitioning to being like, how can we experiment and get people used to this fact that like we science is always at that core. But for us, it's like, how can we experiment with style? I think it's hard. Right. right. It's hard. No. Yeah. 
Yeah. Well, I mean, that sounds much more of a um, journey than I mean, the only thing I had was I vlogged because I thought, oh, everyone's vlogging. We got to vlog. <laughs> and then I, it turns out I hated it. And yeah. oh, we, love, that we did that for a bit. <laughs> It was only it, it was only fun like we realized not just fun but really nice when we were traveling. So we have a couple yeah. travel vlogs that we actually look back on and it's like a really nice memory. But the like week to week day to day, it's like I literally sit at a computer for like eight hours a day. My life is boring. It is not that sexy. It's not exciting. All these YouTuber vloggers who have exciting lives, it's like they're creating that life. Yeah, they literally are like, okay, we have to go blow up. Uh, <laughs> like they have to create that excitement. So like good for that. Oh, one hundred percent. Um. Greg Mitch, this has been such an amazing conversation. Yeah, it was nice to meet yeah. you. I can't believe we just yeah. met. I feel like we just got along so well. I, I yeah. know. If you if y'all are ever in New York at any point, it might take a while. But, yeah, yeah um, but we will be. We'll for sure be yeah. there when things are, you know, once there's a vaccine. Yeah, yeah totally. <laughs> we'll Hit me up. We can do a part two of the pod because this is so I fun. And I feel like I can talk to y'all for hours at a yeah, time. Yeah, I know. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I can't, that went by so fast. I can't believe we keep saying when there's a vaccine. Wow. <laughs> the world, the world, the world. Oh, well, thank you so much for having of course, us on the yeah. Of course. And and where can people find you lovely humans? Uh, it's primarily at ASAP Science. So whether that's YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok. Um, and then we have our Side Note podcast, which is a mix of science with controversial subjects and then just us chilling. Yeah, if you like, like this, this, Side Note podcast will be great for you. Everyone here is yelling into the ether. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, a, a few recent of y'all's podcasts, you know, conspiracy theories about 5G, coronavirus, the truth about Elon Musk, science and racism. You you guys don't shy away. So I'll link that in the show notes. Everyone check it out. Um, thank you so much for having this conversation. Um, everyone, make sure you're subscribed to That Creative Life. Check out the links in the show notes below. Um, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, wherever you find your podcasts every single Monday, hit that subscribe button. Until next time, thank you for listening. What's up, guys? Okay, next caller. Hello? Yo, what's up, Sarah? How you doing? Good. How are you? What's your name? My name is Deepak. I'm from uh, Kelowna, BC, Canada. Um, I wanted to ask you, so you've been obviously playing guitar for a long, long time and everything. Mm -hmm. And I was just wondering, obviously, you're a very busy person being on YouTube and all that. Now, um, would you ever jump back into the foray of music? I mean, guitar music is quite popular again, you know, like lo-fi, mm-hmm. hip-hop, etc. That is um, true. Has been booming for a while now mm-hmm. and all sorts of different things. Have you ever thought about going back into that? Man, it's obviously a huge passion of mine and I love it, but it did come to a point where, and I feel like this might happen for people who follow me and love gear and cameras and stuff. There comes a point where you you realize you're too obsessed with the gear and not the actual playing <laughs> um, or filming. Right. Um, so that's kind of what happened to me with guitar in that I became so obsessed with the dorky gear side of it that I would be on these forums looking up these crazy niche guitar pedals and, you know, crazy niche guitar amps, obsessing over that. But then, oh, I hadn't practiced for a few weeks. Like I wasn't actually getting better at my craft. Um, so that was like a weird reckoning moment where like I haven't like I wasn't in love with playing guitar at that moment. I realized that and it really hasn't come back. So it is still fun to play and like get into the groove. But in order to be a successful musician, like you can't just half-ass that, you know, that's something that you actually have to have a 
almost delusional passion for it to think that you're <laughs> going to be successful at it. Right. I mean, luckily I think there are a ton of different ways to, um, to be successful with music, you know, you can make beats or you can start a lo-fi hip hop YouTube channel and stuff. But I'm so self-aware that I would, I would need, I just don't have the, the determination for it, you know, and you need that for music. Do you play music? Yes, I do. I've been playing the guitar for about 10 years. Oh, I got a Fender Jaguar just, just so you know. Amazing. What color is it? I went with the classic sunburst. I just find it nice. so beautiful looking. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. I love yeah. it so what much. Kind of, what, what kind of style of music did you play? You're from Texas, right? So you, yes. uh, were you like a little more, a little more rock kind of vibe? Yeah. Or so what, was, what was it? I was in a, like a rock pop band. Um, so it was very, I don't know, like we would like, you know, my favorite pedal was like the freaking, uh, fuzz factory pedal and i feel like every song that we had if it was poppy i would chill but some of our more rock songs you know i'd be like okay what's like a really sick solo you know we could we could do um so it was definitely more rock um but then you know i moved to nashville and so there's a little bit of country inspo but then i was like oh i hate listening to country um but i feel like listening to country and learning classic country songs and guitar is so different um but yeah, and I, I would be so obsessed with, you know, the every month I feel like there was a new cool delay pedal. So I was really into like atmospheric weird stuff with delays and reverb. Um, but but yeah, I very nostalgic about that time. Um, but I don't play as oh. much anymore. And there's no there's literally no desire to get back into it in a serious way. Maybe one day I'll have like, oh. you know. I'll be really old and have a rock band in my basement. Maybe one day. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yo, I've been watching you since the Casey video. And so nice. when I saw you talk about music and everything, I was like, oh, damn. Like, oh, got snap. More things going on. Exactly. Oh, yeah. yes. I'm a very, and back to the last question that I forgot his name, but um, when it comes to niching down, you know, I'm, I'm definitely one thing on my YouTube channel, but um, I like to throw in every now and then all the other things like music and basketball. And um, so, yeah, on YouTube, people, people get one image of you, right? Um, for better yeah, or worse. That's true, that's, true. <laughs> that's true. That's true. Uh, well, you're awesome. Shout out to John and thank you so much. For your I time. Can't, of course. Thanks for calling in. Bye. So there's no way. So this new thing, it's basically, it queues up the calls for you. So all you have to do is press one button to get to the next person, but I can't specify, uh, who with the number, um, so maybe next time I'll bring in some like special YouTube guests and I'll figure out how to uh, call them directly and we'll figure that out. Okay, next person. Hey, Farrell, how are you? Hi, what's your name? My name is Manit Paul. I'm from Connecticut. Awesome. What is your question? So my question for you, um, a little bit of context. When quarantine life started, I started taking YouTube a bit more seriously and I had like a video of a, a chair review that I did that kind of got picked up by the algorithm and a chair review over the past week. Yeah, an ergonomic chair review. I wow. Got it time, I guess. <laughs> um, so because of that and like my consistency with uploading every week, I managed to hit like a thousand subscribers this month, which is a huge accomplishment. Amazing. Um, and I've been reading a lot of books from like Gary Vaynerchuk and just looking online. And one thing I keep reading about is how it's so important to build community within your channel. And you mentioned this with 
one of your previous callers not too long ago. Mm-hmm. And I just wanted to ask, like, I know you, like, have the Peachy Fam, and it's been such a big part of your channel. What are some ways for, like, a smaller YouTube channel to build a community? Yeah. Um, awesome. What What is your channel about? And, like, the, the video that you made, do you see your videos being similar to that going forward, or is it something different? So that chair review was definitely like a one-off. Like I, I'm still like mm-hmm. experimenting, but in my, my future videos, I see myself like productivity, self, self-help, self like personal development and mm-hmm. tech mixed in there too. But like that's the direction I'm going in right now. Okay, cool. Um, so one thing I will say is it is definitely more challenging when you have views on a video that, is then different from what you normally do. But that does go back to what I was saying earlier. And in, in the beginning, you know, you should experiment because you never know what will pop off, right? So it just depends if you want to do, is it like an office chair? Sorry, I'm trying to grasp <laughs> the video. <laughs> yeah, that was that was a, the Ergo Chair 2 um, by Autonomous. I made a ch- oh, cool. video about that. Yeah. Yeah, okay. I got it like right when quarantine like started. So like, right. right yes. Yeah. That's why I did a uh, another office deck uh, desk video. People are so interested in the setup videos. Um, exactly. So I would say building community. It's it's one of those things where you have to kind of be. Man, I feel like I'm trying to come up with an answer that is productive and not like, well, you're doing chair reviews on your on your channel now, because <laughs> I, I, I relate it back to you know one of my first uh, super viral videos was doing a vlog and then I hated vlogging and I spent a year of my time doing something I hated. So I would definitely say keep trying to make those videos that reach beyond your audience, but in those videos, doing something that is more about you. That is more like, okay, cool. I came here for a chair review, but I'm staying for this guy. He seems cool, right? Oh, he does this and that. I relate to that. So I'm going to subscribe and see what his next video is. So that that's probably more advice of like, you know, for future videos, having that aspect of, okay, it's not as black and white. Of course, talk about what is in the title and thumbnail for the first half of your video because you don't want to piss people off. But maybe the second half is maybe vlogging is something you enjoy to do or inserting what you really enjoy or what you want your videos to be. That's going to help build that community of people that are going to stay um, and see what videos you upload next, even if they don't care about whatever your niche is, you know. Um, And then more practically, I mean, I from the get go always have really enjoyed Twitter. Um, so even when I had like a thousand subscribers on YouTube, um, the highlight of my day would be when that like one person <laughs> finds me on Twitter, strikes up a conversation with me being like, Oh, I found you in your YouTube videos. Um, so I think engaging in other social media platforms outside of YouTube can be really effective when you just have conversations with people and you use, don't use them as like a link dump for your YouTube videos, but use them for what they're for connecting with people, um, gaining internet friends, um, and all of that. I hope that helps. Sorry. I kind of went around and around in the beginning because at, at some point it kind of is like, Oh, if you do get the attention from that type of video, they're going to expect that. <laughs> so you almost, you have to make a choice, right? Go down that road. Yeah, you, no, I- you, yeah. You see it being beneficial, but Hey, you can add in your personality and other things that you want to do along the side 
or you just take a completely different direction towards what you really enjoy and hope that you can find attention through those avenues. Exactly. And I love what you said about like, even if it's like a thousand subscribers you have, like using Twitter and social media as a way to like even connect with one person, like that one person could be like, you don't know who that person could be, right? Yes. And that could turn into so many more. Exactly. And, like, I love what Gary always says, reply to every comment, like make sure you always talk to everyone mm-hmm. that like, is engaged with your videos, regardless of who they are. So exactly. Make that a point. I really appreciate that advice. That was really helpful. Yeah, of course. Thank you for calling. Thank you. Bye. Hello? Hello? Oh, that's super loud. It was be- Hello? <laughs> hey, it's Sarah. <laughs> oh, it works. <laughs> it works. Okay. This is pretty awesome. I know. For the people who don't know, let them know who you are, your YouTube channel. Anyone like sneakers out there? Hello. Uh, uh, so uh, I'm Jacques, Jacques Slade. I go by Custo Online, which is K-U-S-T-O-O. And uh, I'm a big sneakerhead, but uh, my channel is all about sneakers, but like I'm super into tech. And so mm-hmm. like I'm super cool with all of like, the tech people. <laughs> and that's why. I know it was <laughs> like, so, it was so funny when I first got to know Austin um, and, you know, in, in their office and stuff, you were always kind of someone who was around, but I didn't know who you were. Um, and then they were like, oh yeah, he makes really cool videos about sneakers. And I was like, Oh, amazing. I didn't know that was a thing. So it was a fun journey to learn about your channel because I didn't even know what a big section of YouTube that was. Yeah, it's it's massive. There's probably, uh, I would say there's probably like 10 like big sneaker YouTubers. Mm-hmm. And, and then there's obviously, you know, just like just like any, in any other category, there's just a ton of other people that do it as well. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's pretty comparable to like the tech space. Like, yeah. I feel like it's like, it's like tech, but just with like, cool sneakers no definitely and you know even beyond the unboxings i mean you guys are always talking about okay like let's talk about the design let's talk about the ergonomics how they feel so there there is you know a lot of parallels um but but yeah well maybe i can ask you a question as someone who is running a channel who obviously has many different uh you know, passions. I mean, on Instagram, you have the show and you talk about sports. And um, of course, sneakers and sports kind of go together. But I think you've done a good job of really, like people know who you are, what you do, right? You have a good brand down. And so for the people out there, and it seems like a lot of the questions today have been like, hey, I have a ton of things I'm into. How do I narrow down? How do I do X, Y, Z? What has been your journey with like, how did, what were the first videos you made? Were they sneakers? How did you end up with sneakers? Do you want to stay with sneakers? Do you want to branch out and do other stuff? What has been your journey with that? Mm-hmm. So for, for me, I feel like I'm a little late, you know what I mean? Because I've already kind of established what my channel does. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be like, people come to me for sneakers because that's, that's what my channel does already. Like that's mm-hmm. what I'm known for. Uh, I've grown that audience of just loving sneakers. But if you haven't started your channel or if your channel hasn't grown tremendously, I feel like that's an opportunity for you to be as diverse as you mm-hmm. want to be. Exactly. Um, you know, and for people the, asking, hold on, let me, of- let me tell them your YouTube channel. Guys, it's youtube.com slash K-U-S-T-O-O. K-U-S-T-O-O. Okay, sorry. Yeah. So my, my thing is like, if you're new to like the YouTube game and you're just getting into it, maybe you've had one video that's done incredibly well, like you still have the opportunity to kind of shape your channel to be whatever it is 
you wanted to be. Uh, like earlier, when you were, when you mentioned earlier, you mentioned about Linus, how like they were just doing unboxings at first. Yeah. And like that is kind of how it came popular. And they had to kind of change that narrative. It's harder for a larger channel to, to, to pivot and to expand their content because they already have an ingrown audience that expects this one single thing from you and they think that's all that you're going to do and that's all that you're ever going to do Mm -hmm. but like that's a double-edged sword it's great because you have that audience and they're there but also that audience will get tired of you pretty quickly if that's all you're talking about yes so you've 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 got to diversify and like linus has obviously done a terrific job of that of diversifying his content but again if you're new and you're just starting out and your channel is young like don't feel like you have to do that one thing that's gone viral. I would mm-hmm. say more than anything is just create great content that people will want to watch regardless mm-hmm. of what that's about. That, cause that's going to be your calling card. Uh, mm-hmm. I tell people all the time because they, they ask me like, what, what do I do to have a big YouTube channel? What happens if a video goes viral? Like, you don't want to be with the one video that goes viral and then no one ever comes back to your channel. Exactly. And how create. important it is to have that back catalog as well. Like you don't want to find yeah. yourself being the person who goes viral and then you don't have any other videos on your channel to watch. So even if you're not getting a ton of views, I always tell people like, y'all, you're building up a portfolio just because yep. you don't have attention now doesn't mean you're not going to have attention later. And that's huge. Yeah, that's, that's that, like that's 100% spot on. Like that's mm-hmm. literally word for word what I tell like the younger kids and people when they, they talk to me about that. It's like, look, there's there's an opportunity for you to create work, for you to learn your craft right now, for yeah. you to, you know, get in your creative space. All of those things need to happen. Like, don't worry about blowing up now. Like, that's, mm-hmm. that shouldn't be your focus at all. It should be like how you, your focus should be creating the best content that you can create so that when something does pop off for you, just like you said, people can look and like, oh, man, I haven't been watching this. this Sarah's yeah. been doing all of this all this time. Mm. Holy crap. Like, yeah. Yeah. I'm definitely going to follow her. Look at the stuff she's already done. Like, yeah. it's not like you don't want to be chingy. You know, yeah. what I mean? like, you don't want to be. <laughs> yes. Yes. Man, that is so good. So good. Any, any questions for me, Jacques? I do. I do. Okay. Um, I know that you're, this is going to be like super tech related though. Um, yeah. I know you're totally into the premiere thing and that you've left final cut for good. Mm-hmm. Um, Have you ever thought about coming back? I just feel like everybody's coming back to Final Cut. Yeah, it was one of those things where I was in Final Cut when it was essentially Premiere. (laughs) Like I I used Final (laughs) Cut Pro 7. And so if people are Mm -hmm. aware of what that looked like, it was no magnetic timeline. It was it was very um, what I'm used to now in Premiere. So I've, I've tried it. I've tried so many times. I mean, when I made that video a few months ago or six months ago now about switching to resolve, that was actually, it was, it was tough to kind of put everything on pause to learn something new, but it was very similar. I mean, I learned resolve in probably only a week and then it was really easy to get in the flow of things. So I try to do that same thing with final cut 10 and oh my gosh, I couldn't even get past (laughs) importing footage. I was so confused. Like, what is an event? Do I keep everything in one spot? And then, you know, I, it was just like, I immediately exited out. So I feel like at some point I want to make that video just because I like being proficient and all of the software. Like it actually makes me insecure that I had such a tough time with Final Cut. Um, so at some point I'll probably try it again, but I honestly don't see myself. Um, I, I mean, I couldn't because I don't even, I haven't owned a MacBook in 
since my 2016 one. So, you know, whenever I, I would travel, I wouldn't even have a machine to use Final Cut on. Um, I, I have one iMac and that's my only, uh, that's my only Apple computer. So, um, so yeah, I didn't even think about that, but it actually logistically wouldn't work out unless I go, yeah, <laughs> go take my own money and buy a MacBook pro, but I'm like, good. Like I'm good with computers I have, you know? Um, and the next yeah. one that there's been some questions, the next one that I definitely want to check out is that Dell X- XPS, uh, 17 inch. Um, and that's a pretty penny. Yeah. So it's like, it's like, I just wouldn't, I wouldn't even be able to use, you know, cause it's all Apple. So, so we'll see. I'll, I'll probably make a video, yeah, but it'll probably only be on my iMac that I have. <laughs> <laughs> I've heard I've heard a lot about that Dell XPS. Like a lot of like the PC like tech crowd, they're like yeah. they seem to be like super into it. Yeah, I mean I love it, and even my personal laptop for the past year has just been the Dell XPS thirteen two in one, which is crazy. It's like a two in one, oh. um, and it's just been so fun and easy to use. And they fixed a lot of, um, cause before that I used a Dell XPS 9570, which was the little bit thicker 15 inch one with, you know, you could upgrade it to an i9 and all that, but, um, it was just kind of a big boy, especially compared even to the MacBook. So it's been really fun to have, yeah, this XPS two in one it's, it's thin and it works well and I don't do any heavy duty projects on it. Um, but it can still edit a video if I need it to. So Wild times. Yeah. And, that, and that's, that's what it's all about. All right, exactly. Two questions and I'm going to let you go because yes. I know you're doing your radio thing. Um, <laughs> mentioning Resolve, are you still using your Black Magic? So, yes, but only for very <laughs> specific projects. So I bought that specifically for some of the interview and corporate stuff I still do. So, like, people don't know, mm-hmm. but I still occasionally do like some corporate videos here and there where I'm interviewing other people and I'm not even in the video. So whenever I can control it behind the camera, that's when I use those because they're great for that, but they're terrible for self-filming, not a YouTube camera. (laughs) Right, right. Not at all. Not at all. And then last question, uh, are you doing this from your phone? How are you doing? Yeah. (laughs) So I am (laughs) doing it from my phone. It's something that is in beta and is like kind of secretive. I feel like they don't want me to mention like who they are, but hopefully it'll be rolled out to like everyone, but I'll send you an invite. There we go. I think I have some invites I can send out. So you'll be on your way to doing your own. (laughs) I'm I'm definitely going to give this a try. Yes. This is like DT radio. Exactly. It's (laughs) fun. Yes. Well, Jack, thank you so much for calling into Sir DT radio (laughs) and I will see you you on the internet. Thanks for having me. (laughs) Yeah. I'll see (laughs) you. Bye. (laughs) Bye.